Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Giants in Washington this evening in the NFL. Both teams lost their season openers. Washington lost its quarterback, and they're going to roll with Taylor Heineke. Now, before you come in here and you try to clown this guy or you make some jokes about the former Old Dominion QB, understand a couple of things, starting with this. I have a hell of a lot of respect for this guy. I do. More importantly, his coaches and teammates have a hell of a lot of respect for this guy. You don't believe me? Check out Chase Young hyping his guy. Um, I think he could start on um, any other team in the, in the league. You know, at that position right now, I don't think anybody's really too worried. I think Taylor can come in and, do it and, and, and sling it. If that guy's good with it, so am I. Even if that guy's not good with it, I am. I know that guy can come in and sling it because I have seen it. But Chase thinks so. So does his head coach, Ron Rivera. He plays a little bit like his hair's on fire. He plays a little bit you know, like a gunslinger. But I, I think and I hopefully believe that he has uh, he's matured a little bit. I'm telling you, man, I get it. After seeing him go toe-to-toe with Tampa Bay in the playoffs and then speaking with him in February on this show, I understand why they love this guy. What's not to love about this guy? He's got it. He makes plays. He brings energy. He makes those around him better. I can't wait to see this guy in prime time on the big stage. Let me say it again. I can't wait to see this guy tonight. But you know who I can wait to see? The New York Giants. I can wait to see them. Honestly, I'd pretty much prefer to see any team other than the New York Giants right about now. I mean, I know that not every single game can be kick-ass, but primetime games are not supposed to be a kick in the package. And don't get it twisted. Nothing against WFT. They'll bring the heat. They'll bring the energy. They'll bring some entertainment value. The Giants, on the other hand, are going to bring Daniel Jones and Joe Judge. So let me ask you the same question that I've asked every time I've seen the Giants in prime time the last few years. Why? 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 <laughs> Why? Hey, look, I know they play in New York. I know they've got a loyal fan base. I know they won a couple of Super Bowls under Tom Coughlin. But I've got another question for you. The hell have you done for us lately? Hey, wait, I know the answer. Pretty much nothing. They haven't won a playoff game in a decade. They haven't even had a winning record since 2016. They had a crap-filled 6-10 and season last year, and that was actually their best season since 2016. That's how little they've done for us lately. And yet we still have to suffer through them tonight. Like, we're busting our ass as a nation collectively. We come home after getting ourselves, getting our asses kicked at work and in life. What do we want? We want to sit down. We want to take that temporary escape from life, punching us in the face, and we want to get lost, man. We want to get lost in some ball. Maybe get lost in the sauce a little bit. Get lost in some ball. 
Just a temporary leave of getting our ass kicked by life. So what do they subject us to? Daniel Jones and Joe Judge. Have we not all already suffered enough? Do I really need to be looking at Joe Judge on the sideline, looking like he's trying to burn a hole in Jorge Posada's eyebrows? Just because he glares at Posada like he's trying to burn a hole through Jorge's eyebrows with his mind doesn't necessarily... Do I really need to be looking at Daniel Jones looking confused as hell in this, his third season? I mean, go ahead. Let these guys play. I know they got to play out their schedule. Just don't wreck another one of my Thursday nights or primetime evenings by putting them on. And let me tell you something else, Giant fan, because this is not about you, Giant fan. I'm not coming for you. It's about your team. And I know that you're knowledgeable enough to know this, and I know that you don't need me to tell you this, but I'm going to anyway. I know it's only week two, just as I know it's only September 16th. But this is already a must-win game for the Giants. Yeah, I said it. They absolutely have to have this game. They can't start the season 0-2, not after getting blown out by Denver at home in Week 1, not when you're facing Washington's backup on a short week in Week 2, and certainly not after all the hype surrounding this coach and this quarterback coming into this season. This is year three for Daniel Jones. This is supposed to be the year that he takes that big step. Actually, last year was supposed to be that year that he took that big step. But about midway through last year, all the Joneses honks started saying, wait until next year. Wait until you see what he does next year. Then you'll get it. Then you'll believe. Then you'll know. Yeah, well, this is next year. And I saw what he did Sunday. He completed less than 60% of his passes. He threw a touchdown pass, and then he ran for a meaningless garbage time TD that made the game look a lot closer than it actually wasn't. He was generally outplayed and outclassed by Teddy Bridgewater in every single department. And it wouldn't be a Daniel Jones game without a Daniel Jones fumble. And it wouldn't be a Daniel Jones game if he didn't do it in the red zone. Press set it down from the 22. Off the play fake. Jones stepping away from the pressure, using his legs for the first time and picking up yardage, but he lost the football. And Denver recovers it. My man is a one-man turnover factory. He has 30 fumbles in his career. He hasn't even started 30 games in his career. It's an amazing stat. 30 fumbles and not even 30 starts, but don't sweat it. He's all over it. Just protecting the ball better and and, uh, keeping it tighter. I'll have to look at it and and look at the play, but certainly something I've got to improve on and and, and I'll learn from and and, uh, continue moving forward. Turnovers are always going to hurt you at any point in the game, and, and, uh, you know, they're big plays. So we've got to do a good job taking care of the ball. I've got to do a good job, but, uh, you know, we'll we'll keep moving forward and, and keep improving. What, sleeping with the football, didn't want any of that, carrying the football all day long, to and from work, didn't want any of that? Yeah, thanks, DJ. Great stuff there. I'm sure everybody feels a hell of a lot better about you having some of the worst ball security in the history of the world. Sounds like you've really cracked the code on that one. That's an amazing answer. Never mind how monotone it was, and you probably tuned out halfway through it. 
But what he said was, it turns out the key to not fumbling 30 times in less than 30 games is, quote, just protecting the ball better and keeping it tight. End of quote. Is that it? Is that all? Is that the answer? All right. Then why didn't you start doing that 25 fumbles ago? I love how he also then pivots from his fumble to zoom out to a larger truism about turnovers hurting the team and the fact that they're big plays. Thank you again, Einstein. Or speaking of the fact that he hasn't even started 30 games yet, why don't we do this? Why don't we check his record? All right? 30 fumbles in under 30 games. Less than 30 starts. And the bottom line is this. He's 8-19. and 19. Eight wins, 19 losses, and a losing percentage of 70%. If this guy were a sixth-round draft pick and losing 70% of his starts, you would say there's a problem. But this guy was not a sixth-round draft pick. He was the sixth pick overall, and he's losing 70% of his games. And don't tell me he's young and it's not all on him. If you're taking sixth overall, you're not there to manage games. You are there to win games. You're there to be the guy to elevate the people around you. You're there to be that guy that can make something out of nothing. You're there to be that guy who's got that it. This guy flat out doesn't do those things. When the going gets tough, he panics and he turns it over. Look, I know everybody loves this guy as a person. I'm not saying he's not a good dude. I'm not even saying that there aren't physical abilities there because there are. What I'm saying is he was the sixth pick overall. He's in his third season and he's still playing like a rookie. Let me repeat that part. The part about him being 8 and 19 as a starter. That's worse than Sam Darnold through 27 games with the Jets. And Sam Darnold was with the Jets. And Sam Darnold was with eyes. Adam Gase. And they still ran him out of town. And you know what's wild about that 8-19 record as a starting quarterback for Jones? Somehow the guy is 4-0 against Washington. Figure that one out. Although I know you can't. I don't know what that says about Washington. Or what it says about Jones, that he's 4-19 against the rest of the league. Man, damn good thing he's in that division and gets to play those guys a couple of times a year. 4-19 against everybody else. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. Hey, Rome, man, pretty harsh. Pretty harsh. It's not all on Jones. And you know what? You're right. It sure as hell isn't all on Jones. Because then you get to the coach, Joe Judge. Remember how hyped everybody was on this guy last month when he made his team run sprints after that fight? Remember that rep that he carved out because he had made guys run laps for a mistake? Like for some reason, everybody thought that all that high school bullcrap was great and it showed the judge is a great coach and a leader of men. Then he goes out and he does this on Sunday. You know, look. That's completely on me and ownership. I know you can't challenge a scoring play. That was a little bit more of an emotional. I was looking for feedback from the officials. It looked to me on the Jumbotron and some feedback I got from up top watching the replay that he may have stepped in the white. I was screaming for the officials. You know, they're supposed to get some feedback from, you know, what they're hearing in New York in terms of feedback on it. 
I had to do something to draw their attention. I couldn't get them to turn around, so I threw the flag. I knew it couldn't have been a challenge play. I fully take awareness of that and ownership of that. I told the team that was something that, you know, obviously I can't do again, a waste of timeout. But that was something in the moment, guys, to be honest with you, I had to get somebody's attention at some point and see if we can make sure that they're looking at the same things we were looking at. I can't tell you whether it was good or not. Obviously, they ruled it was good. I'll go and trust what their opinion was on that, and they have good views of it as well. Uh, that was more something right there. I was just trying to get their attention, and I was looking for feedback, which we're supposed to get from the officials on the field. That was a point in the game. I wanted to make sure I got some feedback. That, that is incredible. That is absolutely incredible. Hey, you want feedback, Coach. You want some feedback. I got your feedback. Here's some feedback. That was some Pete Carroll, fast-talking, gibberish bullcrap. But when Peter does it, it makes sense. Mostly, none of that made sense. For starters, zero credit for taking zero ownership of it. Zero. Of course credit. that was completely on you. You're the head coach. You're the guy who burned a timeout by throwing a challenge flag on a non-reviewable play. Nobody else did that. Of course you have to own that. And it's a rule that everybody knows and that nobody would break because you get nothing from it. All that happens is you lose a timeout. But you're saying that you knew the rule. Are you sure you knew that rule? Because nobody who knew that rule would ever do anything like that. But you did it for what? Feedback? Feedback. I'm not sure how many times he used the word, quote, feedback, feedback in that answer. But I've got no idea what the hell he's talking about or what kind of feedback he was looking for. Feedback. Man, just own it. Say it. It was a mental error. You know, the kind that I would never tolerate from one of my players. And that you went completely bonehead in that moment. And then that sentence. You should sentence yourself. Once you make an error like that, sentence yourself to a couple of laps and some up-downs, and then let's move on. But don't put on that tough guy act again and pretend that you meant to do that because you didn't. You screwed up. That was not strategic. That was boneheaded. And you and your quarterback and everybody else on that roster better show up tonight because you need this badly. You cannot get rocked at home in the season opener and then lose to a divisional rival in week two. And if that does happen, no credit for doing what you're supposed to do if you win. No credit for that. And if you get punched in the face, man, look the hell out. My advice. You want feedback? Here's some feedback. Show up, ball up, and please, please do not wreck another one of our Thursday nights. Give us something we can feel good about. Because, as I've always said, more football is good. Football on Thursday is good. Football on Wednesday is good. I would take football on Tuesday. More football is good. More giant football is not. Prove me wrong. I'm telling you, man, going from last Thursday night's game with Tampa Bay and Dallas to this game is like going from eating lobster enchiladas at Javier's to eating a shoe. I'll watch because they pay me to. And because I'm an NFL degenerate. So just get me some Cholula because that shoe ain't going to eat itself. 
Let's take a moment and talk about WinBet, the latest and greatest sports betting app on the market. The same five-star hotel service that you know and love is now in the digital betting space, providing an elite sports book and digital casino app. Whether you're playing money lines, totals, props, futures, boosted parlays, or even live betting, WinBet has you covered. Are you looking for football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, MMA, boxing, tennis, golf, and more? It is all right there in your WinBet app. Listing in Michigan or New Jersey. Try your hand inside WinBet's digital casino. All your favorite games from the casino floor are now in the palm of your hand. WinBet is also fully integrated with Win Rewards. That means by playing WinBet, you can accrue points to earn free credit in app and comp dollars towards perks at Win Resorts, discounted hotel stays, priority and entertainment, free merchandise too. It really is the finest loyalty program in the industry. Call it a win-win. Whether playing from your phone or your computer, you've absolutely got to sign up for WinBet ASAP. Bet with the best. Get into the game. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. You have to be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Paul Christ is my guest. Paul, it's great to have you back. How are you? Good, Jim. How you doing? Good, good. Good to visit good. with you. You're coming off that win over Eastern Michigan, 34-7, to so why don't we start right there. That was a game, Paul, where you jumped out to a 24 nothing halftime lead. You didn't allow any points until the fourth quarter. You've broken down film of that one. What jumps off the film and jumps out to you the most in that game? Well, I think, you know, what uh, stood out, you know, was our defense played really well, and, and uh, you know, it's it's been fun to see, and, and defensively we have been playing well, and you know, we were able to get the uh, running game going offensively, and um, you know our first drive we actually uh, didn't score. We were down the red zone, and that's something that we've got to continue to work on. We had a, we got the bye this week, and, and and obviously trying to address some of those issues. But uh, you know it was fun because we had a, you know a chance to play a lot of guys, and and that's always good, especially this uh, time of the year. And and uh, so we got an early bye, but uh, you know had a good week to this point, and then like you said, we get going and. Uh, Got 10, 10 games after that and and start with Notre Dame. So we've got a lot coming up for this team. A lot in front of the team. Paul Chris joining us. You know, in terms of running the football, you ran the ball actually on the first 15 plays of the game and you had a lot of success doing it. I'm curious, was that a function of wanting to make a statement or was that just a matter of the running game's working, why not keep doing it? Yeah, it, it, it gets to be that a little bit, you, you know, and, and um, you know, certainly if you can kind of establish the run uh, I think it helps you in, in really all of your all of what you do, and we're no different than any other team. And you know, defensively, you know, that's going to be the first thing you're going to try to you know do is is be able to stop the run and, and make a team one dimensional. And so, I think uh, wasn't necessarily you know as much of a statement as okay, it's it's working right now, and, and we're getting some explosives out of it, and and let's keep going. But but certainly uh, need to do both to. To play well, and I think you know as the season goes on, you, you certainly got to be able to run the ball and throw the ball to win. We're talking to Wisconsin head coach Paul Christ. You know, you got more than one guy that can run the ball effectively too, right? Ches Malosi had 20 carries, 144 yards, and a TD. That was his second straight 100-yard rushing game. I'm curious, what has he brought to the program since he arrived from Clemson? Yeah, it's been great having Ches, and and uh, I think he brought, you know, certainly. Um, you know he's got some maturity to the room. Um, you know we've got a number of guys that 
we feel good about at the running back spot, but kind of all were inexperienced, you know, and, and Chez, you know, was in a backup role at, at Clemson, but, but certainly a guy that uh, when we were first started with evaluation, you saw some some real talent in him, and then when you got to talk to him and get to know him, thought that he'd be a great fit, and, and we've got a, another guy that's fourth year, but he'd kind of been injured early in Isaac Garendo, and, and uh, now he's settling into the position, and and we've got a guy in Jalen Berger that that played four games last year as a true freshman, and and um, so we do feel like we got some backs, and and yet Chez has certainly uh, kind of been the the number one back with with Isaac to follow, but Jalen Berger's you know, gave us some some good snaps the other day, and then uh, Braylon Allen. So we've you know I think for us to be what we want to be offensively, we're going to need. Uh, need all four of them really to contribute. So we're talking about a three-headed monster right there. You know, I'm glad you mentioned evaluation. Like, for instance, in talking to coaches about the transfer portal, it's always interesting, Paul, to hear them talk about their approach when it comes to evaluating incoming transfers. How have you gone about handling that process and making sure that somebody's going to be a good fit for what you're looking to achieve? Yeah, I think that it's – I think it's really important whether it's – whether you're recruiting through the transfer portal or just, you know, kind of your, what was your traditional – recruitment is it all to me in the end comes up is it a good fit for really both sides and I think it's you know that the the incoming player or prospect you know has a clear picture of kind of who and what is Wisconsin you know in in our case and and that we get a good feel for the individual and then what's kind of fun is you know then okay this is a good fit and, and I think that's important you know I know uh Chez, you know, we kind of took a little bit longer in the process, and and but really wanted him to be able to come up and and see and meet meet teammates and be around. And we've had we had a number of telephone conversations, but you want him to get a sense of if this is your new place. I think especially in the transfer portal, you know, they've made a decision and now they're making another decision to kind of go somewhere else. They want to. I think they want to make sure that they're making the right decision for them. And so I think you, you try as best you can to paint a clear and accurate picture for them. And and obviously, you know, there's a mutual need. You know, we shouldn't be bringing in a transfer if we don't think he could impact us. You know, in a positive way early and right away, because they're also transferring many times for that opportunity. So it's. Um, but I think it also is just kind of like. Normal recruiting, they got to know that it's the right fit for them. Appreciate your thoughts on that. Wisconsin head football coach Paul Chris is joining us for a few more moments. So the win over Eastern Michigan came a week after the game against Penn State, which did not go the way you would have liked. Right. I'm curious, Paul, as a coach, do you learn more about your team after losses or after wins? I think, you, you, honestly, Jim, I think you, you're always learning about your team. and and But, I mean, you know, who is someone or how do you handle – um, when things don't go well or go the way you want them, and and also how do you handle it when things are going well? And and so I think, you know, certainly that first game, you know, we did enough things to give ourselves a chance, but we, we did a number of things uh, negatively that really just made it hard. You know, turnovers in the red zone and and kind of some some miscues that, you know, if you're going to win a game against a good team. Not to say you can't ever do it, but it's going to make it harder. And when you do another one, it's going to make it that much harder. And so I think every time you play, there are lessons to be learned. And there are good things that you have to build on, and there are negatives that, boy, 
you know, you you got to correct it. You never want to be, boy, you, you know, you can't do this or else you'll never win. I don't know if that's always the case, but it sure makes it harder. And so I think those opportunities come in the wins and in the losses. And I think you got to be careful of, of letting just the outcome determine whether that was a good day or a bad day or that's the right way to play or not to play. But I think there's always opportunity, win or lose, to to learn and and uh, and to grow from, hopefully. And then finally, you've got this bye week and a big one coming up. I'm not the first to ask this. I won't be the last to ask this. You know, I'm talking about the, fa- the fact that you'll probably have an opportunity to face Jack Cohn, who played for you at Wisconsin before he moved on as a graduate transfer. So what kind of thoughts do you have when it comes to facing him? You know, I, I first of all, I've got you know a ton of respect for for Jack as a as a person and as a player, and uh, you know appreciate the time that we had with him, and and then you know as you go forward and and you know you're facing him, really you're facing Notre Dame, you know, and it's it's our team versus their team, and and certainly. You know, Jack is a part of it, and and I know, and you know, you know, the quarterback's an important piece of it, and you know, very much a focal point of it. But I think that it's, um, you know, the time that we had with Jack, and I know, I speak and and speaking really for our players, you know, they appreciate who he was and and what he did, and and yet when we face him, he'll he'll be a you know an opponent. And you know we'll play the game, but it's uh, that's what's cool about football is it's a team sport, and so it's you know Wisconsin versus Notre Dame. So final thought: it's it is that, but it's a team sport, and you've got a couple of major programs, two top twenty teams getting together. No matter what, there's going to be a lot of hype when that happens. But when it's Wisconsin and Notre Dame, and you're doing it at Soldier Field, that's like some next level stuff. So how do you approach that with your guys? Do you treat that like, hey, look? That's the next game on the list. It's another opportunity. Or to acknowledge this is a little bit different. This is special. I think that the, I think there's a little bit of both, you know, and 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 I think that's one of the reasons why you know kids come to a place like Wisconsin and and you're fortunate you get to be part of uh, you know big games and then it's those are opportunities and and then it's how do you do all that you can to take advantage and maximize that opportunity. And so certainly it'll, it'll have a different feel, you know, when, and, you know, we've had a number of guys um, play, but fewer now, you know, we've, we've played in, you know, NFL stadiums, you've played in big games, but those that played or were around it were just kind of on the sidelines. And so for this group, you want them to enjoy it and you appreciate it. And, and to kind of take it in, but then also realize, okay, we're playing a game, and this game's against a really good opponent, and how do you uh, maximize that? It's, it's focusing on the things that you can control and, and in the end trying to play good football. But I think you want them to um, appreciate the the fact that, you know, it is a uh, – when you think of going to play college football, it's – these are some of the days that you think of, and and so you want them to appreciate that, but you also want them to, you know, certainly keep it in perspective. You know, we got a chance to play a game and a game against a good team, and and so you want to prepare yourself and and be able to focus on the game. But I think there's a piece here that you you want them to be able to enjoy, kind of the the surroundings and the atmosphere. It's no different than when you go into a, you know, a, another stadium and it's a great atmosphere you want to take that in and appreciate it it's uh not everyone gets that and so you want them to to enjoy it but also then quickly it ends up where you just focus on the game
I think it's awesome. A unique opportunity for everybody involved. Wisconsin versus Notre Dame next Saturday at Soldier Field in Chicago. Wisconsin, number 17 in the coaches poll. They're one and one. Their head coach is Paul Christ. Paul, really appreciate it. Great to have you back on the show. Always good to have you on this show. Have a great week, and I'll look forward to seeing that game. Jim, I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, you want to hear something incredible? Discover matches all the cash back that you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how incredible is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. That's where. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. Cowboy fan, I'm not saying that you should hit the panic button after one loss. And I'm not even saying that you're about moral victories. Because as losses go, that's not the worst one ever. But why don't we talk for a minute about what's transpired since that loss. I'm not saying you should hit the panic button. What I am saying is you better know exactly where the hell that panic button is. I'm not saying that Mike McCarthy going for some incredibly fresh Austin Powers resets in camp was not a good sign. I'm not saying that. Sorry, actually, that's not fair. Not even Austin Powers resets, but resets from one of the Austin Powers sequels. I'm just saying, if you were looking for omens before the season, that probably was a pretty bad one. But you had to know that Mike McCarthy was not exactly an elite motivator, right? You know that whole rap that, well, yeah, Aaron Rodgers only won one ring. Aaron Rodgers should have more than one ring. You know that rap? That's like one of the worst raps ever. The fact that this guy even won a ring with McCarthy as his head coach makes him one of the greatest to ever do it. I mean, that rap against Aaron is so bad. Back ass words. It's so wrong. I mean, has McCarthy ever inspired anybody to do anything other than somehow miraculously convincing Jerry Jones to give him a job? Let's just say my man's not exactly David Goggins when it comes to inspiring and firing people up, if you feel me. But the reason why Cowboy fans should be worried isn't even about McCarthy. I mean, a reason why you should be worried is, but the latest reason for concern is the number of injuries that this team has. It's bad. You know it's a bad sign when your defensive line coach, Leon Lett, is carted off the field during practice after suffering a lower leg injury that reportedly will require surgery. Can I repeat that? Your D-line coach went down in practice and requires surgery. And this isn't like some old geriatric, like, I don't know, Rit, for instance. Sorry, Rit, just playing. This is a former NFLer. It's not like that guy can't get out of the way. You've got D-line coaches going down, getting carted off, and requiring surgery. Even worse when he's joined in the metaphorical training room by no less a player than Demarcus Lawrence. Because Lawrence broke his foot in practice yesterday. He'll be out six to eight weeks. That sucks. Like, I don't care how much you hate the Cowboys. I don't care how much you love the Cowboys. 
I don't care if you have no feeling about the Cowboys. You never want to see a guy go down like that. You never want to see a guy suffer an injury like that in practice. And if you are a Cowboy fan, that is crushing. Because you already know that defense is suspect. You already know you're losing the guy who had six tackles and two quarterback pressures and a forced fumble in week one. They didn't have a single sack last week. And yeah, I know old man Brady gets it out pretty quickly. But they didn't have a single sack, and that was with Lawrence in the lineup. So if that defense is that rough with him, what are they going to be without him? And he's not the only one. It's not like Lawrence is going to be the only guy they're missing when they have to deal with the Chargers because Randy Gregory is still on the COVID list. McCarthy had this to say about that, quote, if you look at the history, it's been 10 days, pretty much everybody we've dealt with in the COVID protocol, we'll just see how it goes, end quote. So that does not sound like he's expecting Gregory to play, which means the Cowboys' defense is going to be without its two best pass rushers, and they're going to have to deal with the likes of Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, who I thought looked great, and Jared Cook, and Austin Eckler. I could keep going. So if I were defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, I might start dousing my eyes with Tabasco, like his predecessor, because he's not going to want to see what he's going to have to see. I got something in my eye. Um, just had some Tabasco on my finger and it went in my eye. That wasn't good. Oh, it's terrible. Jeez, I'm sorry. Give me one second. Take a fire hose to that guy's eye. Like, You're going to trust a guy to coordinate an NFL defense if he can't coordinate Tabasco to his mouth without getting it in his eye? The hell is he eating Tabasco for anyway? Anyway, it's not just the defense that's hurting right now. Michael Gallup on the injured reserve, calf injury, tackle, Bell Collins suspended for five games for violating the league's substance abuse policy. That means Dallas is down four starters going into this game on the road when they're already 0-1 and they don't want to start 0-2. Because as we all know, 0-2 can get really ugly really fast. Dak was amazing. Dak was incredible last week. But Dak can't do it by himself. He can't be out there missing four key guys trying to beat a good Chargers team all by himself. So, What do you need in that situation? You know what would be great? It would be a perfect time for a head coach to scheme the hell something up. Grab a marker, head to the whiteboard, find a way to win that game with the parts that you do have. Just MacGyver the bleep out of this game. Make it work. And you know what? I can think of a few head coaches that could. I know a few head coaches that absolutely could make do with what they have and win a game like that. Unfortunately, Mike McCarthy is not one of them. Instead of having the master of scheme who gives you the confidence that you've got a shot in a game like that, you've got Mike McCarthy who's still out up in here resetting an Austin Powers movie that came out last century. Groovy, baby, yeah. Groovy. Groovy motivational speech, coach. But you got to go with what got you there, right? <laughs> Not what got you there. But you've got to go with what you got. You've got to go with what the kooky old owner hired. 
So now you've got the big fella walking around the facility saying things like, shall we shag now or shall we shag later? Pretty fresh. I'm sure today's athlete is going to want to run through a wall after hearing that. I don't know what he's going to tell his players. I just know that whatever it is, it's not going to help. I just know what, whatever it is he tells them, it's not going to help. I don't know what that is. I don't know what he's going to tell his assistants, but it will probably be something like this. Let's go to eat a goddamn snack. Probably, right? Almost assuredly. Have fun with that, Cowboy fan. Too bad, man, because they showed up big in week one. I get that it can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late, to find yourself at a railway crossing and waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you might feel a little tempted. You might try and sneak across the tracks. Don't do it. Ever. To the naked eye, trains often appear to be further away and moving slower than they actually are. And they cannot stop quickly. Even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can still take a train over a mile, a mile to stop. By that time, it's too late, and the result is a potentially deadly crash. The point is this. You can't know how quickly the train is going to arrive. The train can't stop quickly. Even if it sees you, it still ends in disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way, and you need to remember just one thing. Stop, because trains can't. Paid for by NHTSA. Check this out. Hey, yo, Gramps. This is Gramps. This is Ike hooking up hot chocolate before the show. Hey, bro, listen, I know you're all about that red light life. We're not on TV today, dude. Are you going to be able to play the game at the highest level without being on the big stage? I know you're here to be on TV. I don't know, man. It's going to bring my game down a notch. Yeah, well, step your foot. I almost F-bombed. Step your game up, Ike. This will help. Smash your hot chocolate. Pretend we're on TV. I need you to ball out, all right? You got it. All right, man. Step your game up. Here's what I respect about Ike. He admitted it. Not like, hey, man, it doesn't matter, boss. No matter where we are, what we do, who carries us or not, I, I show up the same way every single day. He flat out admitted, hey, I got to admit, if I'm not on TV, it's going to be tough for me to have my A game. And that's when I almost dropped an F-bomb, and then I caught it right before it came out. Did you hear that? If that sounds good, you should see how good he looks. And a lot of you have, because here comes the reaction. Jeff in NoCal tweets, bro, I so wish you let that F-bomb fly. Hashtag, get your effing hot chocolate. It it almost came out like I went Larry Robinson on it. We got a bunch of whining little babies. Get your <laughs> hot chocolate. Get in the studio. <laughs> hey, Rome, did you catch Ritz act in the break room this morning? Dude is sporting tapered jeans and dad shoes. Hey, Ritz, ease up on the Mervins and mix in some Banana Republic. Step your game up. Drew in West L.A. In his defense. I will defend that. I did last night send a late night email to the crew. 
and I said, hey, everybody, we are not doing a TV simulcast. We are not on TV. So if you want, you can dress it down. You can go casual because little bones like that help. I said, if you want to show up and wear jeans, go right ahead. I didn't say anything about tapered jeans. And I also did not include the email if you want to wear dad shoes. I just said, if you want to go casual, go ahead. So in his defense, though, that, that's, that's why he looks like that. Maybe kind of, probably not. At Greasy Bad Takes tweets, forget the old man's work ethic, not being on TV. This dude needs CPR in the kicks department. Buddy has those twice-divorced, retired cop, day-drinking, lawn-mowing shoes. Hashtag, what are those? What are those? What are those? Like James Harden rocking baked potatoes on his feet. What are those? What are those? Ritz's response is, quote, those are comfortable. Nobody cares how you feel, old man. It's how you look. Look good, feel good. Feel good. Do whatever it is that you don't do good. What are those? What are those? I'm glad that some of you have found your way over to that story. If you have not, do so. This is what everybody's responding to. At Nathan in Maine. Step away from that coffee machine. It's for men, not kids, making chalky milk. You know what, Ike? I'm going to pick you up again. I went to Starbucks today to get my normal order, and the dude behind me went venti hot chocolate. There are two adults in this world drinking hot chocolate, apparently. I had to hear it. I I think it was hot chocolate. I heard the word chocolate. And I know Starbucks puts a bunch of sugar and chocolate and butterscotch and whipped cream and ice cream. And, you know, like, I'll have that uh, banana split frappuccino or that root beer float venti or I I don't know. I just heard the word chocolate. I think it was a hot chocolate. Hey, Jim. Watching the Giants is probably like watching Rit wrestle. Mike and Buffalo, all right, these are images I don't need. Mm. That's that's over the line. There is a line. We'll push the envelope. We'll try to be aggressive. I'll try to give you people what you want. But there is still a line. They cannot be crossed. Rit having sex is that line. All right, don't do that. Don't do that. Mm. That's not funny. That's actually infuriating. Don't do that. At Shark Attack MTN, quote, does Rit buy his shoes at Kmart? Do you? I'll take that as a yes. Don't answer a question with a question. I s- this guy writes, does Rit buy his shoes at Kmart? To which he responded, what's wrong with Kmart? That's a yes. See what else we got here. It haunted horse. Jim, if Ritt was a choice in the California recall election, he would now be your new governor. Missed opportunity, California. No, dude, he's got his sights set on something much greater than that. POTUS. He looks like Dwight Eisenhower. He has Dwight Eisenhower's birthday. 
it's too good to be true. It's meant to be. The universe is trying to tell us something. Rit is your next president. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? This time, do not make a shake or eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, wherever. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Brandon McManus is my guest. Brandon, good to have you back. How are you? Good, Jim. Thanks for having me back. I'm, I might have to uh, hire you to introduce me everywhere I go. <laughs> I don't know if you can afford me, dude. <laughs> I, I, actually, yes, I can do that. I can do that for you. We'll work something out. Listen, you you have a great resume. You've been around the game a long, long time. I know you're not going to celebrate, Brandon, a week one win for too long. But at the same time, how nice is it to go on the road and get a comfortable win to start the season and set the tone? Yeah, it, it, it's always good. Um, since we won the Super Bowl in 2015, you know, we haven't been back to the playoffs. and We only have one winning season in 2016. And uh, last two years, we've been 0-7 in September. So it's good to kind of – got a bunch of young guys in here with a fresh mindset and um, want to get back to the winning ways of, of Denver football. So coming out there in, in New York and getting the first win was huge and excited to uh, try to keep that ball going. All right, so it's just me on the outside looking in, but as an observer – it seemed to me that Teddy Bridgewater did some really good things on Sunday. How did he look to you, and what do you like about what he brings to the team and the locker room? Yeah, um, Teddy looks awesome. Uh, Teddy Two Gloves, I think, is his nickname around right. the league, but he was like Teddy uh, Slippery Noodle. You know, he was escaping. He was going crazy out there. Much different, I think, than what people you know, thought he had in his game, and um, he, he did a great job leading us to the victory and excited for him to continue to do this. You know, he's had a incredible year, you know, career in Minnesota before that injury. Looks good in New Orleans, and then last year in Carolina. So we're excited to have him here, and um, hopefully, up, upward trajectory for the rest of his career, which obviously will end up in a lot of wins here. All right, so when you and I spoke last year, we talked a little bit about mindset and what it takes to be a kicker. So take me back to Sunday. When you're going on the road, what is your process like for preparing to kick in a stadium that you don't see that often? Yeah, I, I was actually talking with um, the, the TV broadcasters for your pregame and because it was a little windy and, and MetLife. It's always going to be windy at the Meadowlands, as you know. And, you know, I said I actually don't mind the wind. One, because you have an excuse. <laughs> right. And then two, um, it's kind of similar to golf. When you know where the wind is going to be, you could kind of hit certain golf shots into the wind, fades or draws, and kind of have the ball hold. So you can kind of do that same thing with kicking and kind of eliminate one miss, one direction by playing with the wind. But, uh, you know, as, as we talked last year, the mindset is, you know, it's a, such black and white, whether you make the kick or, or miss the kick, and especially crucial times of the game um you know this comes down to i've been around the block a little now and have played in every stadium just you know honing on my skills and what i've been doing for the past uh, 10 years 
Brandon McManus. And then you'll have a game that is just unlike any other game. Like we talk about process for being on the road. But as an example, in last year's win over New England, 18 to 12, you were six of six on field goal attempts, including kicks of 52 and 54 yards. It set a franchise record for field goals in a game. You earned a game ball. I mean, as always, you'll look ahead. But as you look back, what do you remember most about that day in that game? Yeah, that's a special game. It's most kicks I've made. Um, and then I, I now own the record as well for most multiple 50-yarders in a game as well. I think I have eight games of, of multiple 50-yarders. Um, and, you know, it's always difficult. You love to make the 50-yarders, but, you know, percentages have gone up as our kick, the kickers have gotten better, but it's always good to make a couple of them. But to me, that's, you know, a special game, you know, in my heart and in my career. Remember that. And then also the divisional round against the Steelers in 2015. It was super windy here in Denver, and I was 5 for 5. At the time, was uh, tied the NFL playoff record for most field goals. Um, and I had a couple 50 yarders in that as well. So um, it's always uh, you know, t- try to turn the page the next day because you can go 6 for 6, and then the next day could be uh, a tough battle. But um, that's just the nature of kicking. Brandon McManus joining us. Now, preparing for games is not just about getting your mind right. It's about getting your look right. You have thrown down some amazing fits on game day. What is your philosophy when it comes to how you dress for game day? I appreciate it. Uh, You know, it's it's last minute. I I could be better. I do a good job, at least, of pre-shopping for some of the looks and then picking out my suits for traveling. Uh, I have a suit girl named Chandra Farrar who works at LV, but uh, you know, we do a good job in the offseason trying to plan for certain suits and then kind of local casual wear to our home games You know, is different, especially cool here in Denver. Is it, it gets hot and cold very quickly, so you have a magnitude of options. So I've worn ski suits, you know, when it's snow to games, gone um, with, you know, like an all-denim Canadian tuxedo because it's, it's kind of a mountain man look as well for Colorado. So, Obviously, you're playing in Denver, I have a, a, an options that I could wear, just kind of a bunch of different styles. But I like to have fun with it. Um, it kind of shows my personality outside of just football. You know, obviously, we it's our job to, to play football and the job for me to make kicks. But, you know, I'm trying to just help build my brand personally as well and um, have some fun with it. A denim tux is such a badass look. That, that is a strong move. Brandon McManus joining us. I appreciate that whole thing, actually. So you come into the league as an undrafted free agent. You were waived by the Colts in August of 2013. You signed a future contract with the Giants for January 2014. You get traded to Denver in August of that year. You were waived a few months later and then signed again a few days later. I mean, what was that first year in and around the league like for you? Yeah, it was, it was a fun time that when I got into the league in Indianapolis, and then I thought I wanted to learn a bunch from Adam Vinatieri, so I, I knew that was kind of a good opportunity for me to learn about the pressure of kicking and the mental side of it as well. So I sat out that whole year, then I signed that futures deal to New York, and I thought I was going to get that job for sure. I was perfect in the preseason, um, a strong leg for the kickoff, so it was no issue there. But so they ended up trading me to Denver, um, but I knew I was still young, and my technique-wise, and there's three-step kickers and there's two-step kickers. And at the time, I was kind of like a two-and-a-half step with a little jab, and I knew I wanted to get rid of that. I just wasn't going to do it when I was going to get my first starting job here in Denver. So 
you know, I missed a couple kicks my rookie year, and they am releasing me. And the moment they released me and they signed me back a couple of days later, I I removed that step completely, and now you know, strictly a two-step kicker, you know, which has really elevated my game, and you know, you know, that's why I'm still here today. Hmm. Before you go, I've got to ask you about this. You've been getting really involved in NFTs. Now, am yep. I correct in thinking that you got your start with Weird Whales? And if so, how did you hear about that initially? Yeah, a bunch of friends. I was following forever on Twitter, and uh, they were posting about these NFTs and stuff, um, mostly the Bored Apes originally. And then I was like, I don't know, to buy X amount of money for a picture. You know, and then I started learning about the community and these people. And then that's right when these weird whales came out as a 12 year old who coded it and did all the properties and traits that you need to do and, and all the blockchain technology. And it hit home a little bit with me because in my foundation I have for Project McManus, I do classes for coding with Microsoft for um, underprivileged and disadvantaged kids. So I thought it was such a unique project. So I wanted that to be one of my first projects I owned. And then um, it's been a blast, though, in this NFT community. It's, it's, it's a constant learning for me, and um, it's, it's very unique, and it, it blows my mind every day kind of what people come out with and, and, and see what they get to do. See, I was going to say, exactly what is it? I mean, clearly, you love it. I was going to say, what do you like about it? Is it the art? Is it the potential financial upside? Is it something else? Why are you so into it? I think it's... Um, there's there's no status, and I guess you could say it's 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 somebody could. It's, it's, the thing I love about New York City is when there could be a homeless person and a billionaire riding the subway next to each other. You know what I mean? It's such a unique place in the city like that, and it's somewhere in the NFT community. Somebody could be a billionaire and they're kind of behind an alias, or somebody could be super poor, and you know it's not financial advice that puts their money into something when they should be paying their rent, and all of a sudden it turns into a hundred thousand dollars. It's it's very rewarding to see people, you know, who've made money and that they need it and help their family out. And then there's also, but nobody knows who's who because you're kind of behind an alias. So I, I think it's, um, a, like I said, a very unique and, and fulfilling, you know, a community. Brandon McManus joining me. So help me with this. What do you say to people who just don't get it, right? They don't understand NFTs or worse. They just think they're stupid and a waste of time. What do you say to those folks? Yeah, I mean, I, I was I had my doubts for sure in the beginning, and just like I, I was early in the cryptocurrencies and stuff like that. But the people who make their money in cryptocurrencies aren't going to go back, take their profits, and invest in Apple stock. They're they're going to try to stay in that avenue of digital currency and art. So instead of just keep trading the coins, cryptocurrency coins, they they want some type of even though it's not truly physical at times. These NFTs, these digital arts they could put up in their home, you know, with these uh, computer monitor screens and like, picture frames that change. And then what the NFTs are doing now is, is kind of creating real-life experiences. So, um, like, what I'm looking to do in some projects is, hey, if you get my custom NFT, you know, you have an opportunity to, you know, win a Super Bowl party with me at, at the Super Bowl or tickets. So kind of add some real-life value to them as well as, as a collectible. I like that. I like that a lot. So finally, what about crypto? Do you do you have any Bitcoin? When did you get into that? What are your feelings about that overall? Yeah, I, I got into crypto in 2017. Um, I own one Bitcoin, and then you know, just kind of sat on that just along with the ride. You know, my financial advisor, I'm sure, it, they're old school, so he wasn't into cryptocurrency. So this is kind of a side gig of mine. 
um, you know, just trying to be adventurous and risky in some sense. So, but um, XRP, which is kind of through an SEC litigation right now, uh, Litecoin, Ethereum, a bunch of coins that I've gotten into over the time, and it's it's been fun just to follow along and, and kind of see the trends of it. I'm with you. I did the same thing. It's like kind of our little side hustle, our side account that we don't tell our money guy about. We just do it to have some yeah. fun and, and kind of learn about it. So what about, I'm the same as you. I have a little bit more than one Bitcoin. What do we do? What are we going to do? What are you going to do? Do we sit and hold? Do you Are you ever tempted to take the profit off the table and reinvest? What do you do with the Bitcoin? Well, I think the good thing for you is, you know, I, I didn't do the right thing last could go back and do it but if you never want to buy one of one thing because then you don't know what to do with it if you have two you might sell one and then you could hold the other one for the rest of the while if you want but um i do think it's it's going to be two hundred fifty thousand, you know a million dollars at some point just don't know when you know i'm not a financial forecaster but i do think eventually it'll get to some numbers like that Dude, that was the plan, right? I mean, that was the plan when we bought that thing. So I, I agree yeah. with you. Now, I, I also agree with the point that you want to have two, not one, so you have that option. But at this price, it's tougher to have two than when we got the first one. But I For see sure. it working. Brandon McManus, obviously a whole lot to him and his game on and off the field. Brandon, great to get caught up. Thanks for the uh, education on crypto and NFTs. Great to talk to you. Let's do it again soon. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Good night now.